Our number one stars on the ice with Lauren Gardner. Thank you so much, Roach. Well, Sam, in a game that felt like it was destined to take place, you come out in a must-win situation, and you earn a playoff berth for your club for the first time since 2014. How good does this feel? Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. I'm Steph, and you're locked into the first episode of Burgundy Radio of the Colorado Avalanche's 2018 Stanley Cup playoff run. Coming up on the show, the Avs do the absolute bare minimum required to advance the first round against Nashville. We'll probably talk too much about Game 82 against the Blues. The NHL gave the Colorado-Nashville series absolute dumpster tier start times and real-life postseason predictions. But before we play the whoosh, let me tell you who these disembodied voices are. Um, as always, we're joined by Earl. Hello, Earl. Hello, fellow playoff havers. And also joining us as usual is Tiger Vixen. Jackie, what's up? Greetings. And last second edition, while we were sitting around talking about other things, is the voice of Vlad. How are you, sir? Playoffs! And a little bit of housekeeping. Burgundy Rainbow, wonderful admin of the year, Seamill, has set up a uh, bracket challenge league on NHL.com. So if you want to join that and uh, have a nice little fight with us to see who can guess winners the best. And obviously that's what everyone is going to do is guess and not use actual logic and reasoning so I can win. <laughs> the, uh, the the name for that league is Burgundy Rainbow, and the password to join it is itgork, all one word, I-T-G-O-R-K. So, and don't ask why. If, if you don't know why, you're not going to ever figure out why, so just roll with it. Um, so join us in the Burgundy Rainbow Bracket Challenge League. And if you pick against the Avs, like what I'm probably going to do, expect to get hated for it, and deservedly so. <laughs> This week went about as poorly as it possibly could. Beginning on Sunday with a 3-1 third period lead that the Avs turned into a 4-3 overtime loss to the Anaheim Ducks. And it almost cost them big time. Then they got trashed on Monday night in LA by the Kings, 3-1, as pretty much everyone saw coming. And then on Thursday, after the St. Louis Blues lost hilariously to the Blackhawks with 8 seconds left, shout out Duncan Keith, Colorado flushed another roadie down the toilet, 4-2 to the San Jose Sharks. But... Speaking of the Blues, they kept turning opportunity into tragedy this week, too. After losing to Vegas in overtime and then dropping the back-to-back in Arizona 6-0 somehow, they lost consecutive home games to the Capitals and Blackhawks. Their win in Chicago on Friday basically only meant that Colorado had to win on Saturday in regulation, which they did. 5-2 in what was one of the best, most exciting, most complete victories the team had all year and at the best possible moment. The Avs got goals from all over the place, starting with Sam Gerrard late in a dominant first period, then followed up in the second by Tyson Berry after an inconclusive offside review. Nathan McKinnon, and then empty net clinchers from Gabe Landeskog and Long Beach native Matt Nieto. I want to let you guys talk about what you saw in this game too, but honestly, I couldn't have asked for much more from the team on Saturday. They came out hard, they got rewarded for it early, and they didn't let up. Yeah, that first period was a thing of beauty. I mean, you, you look at the the shot sheet, and it's, it's just Jacob's ladder rising to the heavens. Um, 
that was about as good a, of a start as you could have imagined. I mean, that's exactly what you wanted to see from these guys, especially coming off a fairly disappointing week. Um, but if they hadn't have capitalized on it, if, if Sam Gerard hadn't have put that goal in late, late in the period, I, I think it, it might have been a little bit frustrating going into the second. So the, I think that was just a, a really key turning point in the game. And I, I think his reaction, the fist pump and everything like that from the, the normally stayed defenseman, um, I, I, I think that was just my favorite moment of the whole game. So it, just from there, I, I, I had good confidence that they were, they were going to manage the game well enough after that that they'd win. You know, still a little clenchy. But from then on, I, I, was, I was pretty... I was pretty happy with how it went. It was a game where if they hadn't made it, you could still feel like you ended the season on a good note because they played so well. It it certainly would have been disappointing to not win after playing that well, but it was really nice to see them, especially after the road trip wasn't what they wanted. And and, uh, it was good to see everyone play well. Too. I noticed in in the in the pregame warm up, and I know it took a while to get there, but the warm up was different. The way they did a, their whole pregame skate and routine was different last time, and I didn't want to make too much of, out of it right away. But I thought they're doing something different here. The, the approach is different. And what what were they doing? I've seen quite a few of the warm ups. So what they weren't they weren't hanging out in the corners. They weren't doing a lot of uh, uh, cycle drills on uh, on Bernier or Hammond. A lot of the time they were they spent uh, either at the blue line or a handful of players on either uh, face off circles were just doing some, some drills. But it it just seemed different. It just had a different aura to it. Not to get too uh, metaphysical or whatever, but it just <laughs> it just seemed like a different approach last night yeah i can believe that because sometimes you do get a vibe from warm-ups and maybe it doesn't translate what you kind of feel like but sometimes they are a little bit different so yeah i can see how it would leave an impression on you well they, they came out on on absolute fire i mean what what did it end up being 19 to 7 shot attempts or something like that through through the first didn't they even have to kill an early penalty? Wasn't Barbario's pen- first one pretty early? Uh, oh my god! Yeah, yeah. Can, do we so, want to talk yeah. about whatever the heck that was? <laughs> so here, yeah. here's here's a new rule: if you and someone else go for the puck, someone else is holding their stick with a hand singular, and your sticks collide. That person just has to drop their stick, and they get yep. a penalty. <laughs> Well, I yeah. understand the slashing rules. You can't touch the hands, period. But I've never quite been completely clear on the slashing of another stick. Like, yeah. you can touch another player's stick, but like you said, if he drops the stick, then that's a penalty. Yeah, I, I mean, I think if you're slashing someone's stick below where their lower hand is, that should be fair game. I mean, that was, I mean, when I was growing up, you were taught that that was definitely fair game anywhere on the ice. Um, so that, 
Because it is maybe, part of maybe... defending. You have to <laughs> well, allow yeah, buff battles. You have to allow stick checks. Yeah, stick checks are very important, as we all know. But, um, you know, what what's the difference between a stick check and slashing? And, and maybe Mike Kelly can tell us sometime. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, sometimes it's obvious that, that the player's chopping the stick out of another player's hands. And that's... that's I'm no fine with that, no too, good. though. If you, if you yeah. can't hold on to your stick, you shouldn't be on the ice. You know, I mean, that. I, I had coaches that used to go around and and slash the stick out of your hand if you're if you're standing there, you know, it looked like you're gripping your stick too loose. Then he bark at you. I mean, it's like holding on to your stick is just one of those fundamental things you learn when you're in mites and squirts. So I don't, I don't know, but not to dwell on that for too long. <laughs> <laughs> um, because that was, after uh... that, like the the Blues got a a little bit of pushback. They had a couple of good shifts after that. PK. It was a rough kill too. Like the Avalanche were lucky to get out of that without conceding the first goal. Right, and, and but but after that, the Avs just went on a tear for the rest of the period, and, and you know. And that, we know they get momentum from beautiful. a penalty kill. Yeah. Um, I, I've I've got to admit to having quite a bit of worry um, through about you know three fourths of the way into that first period because like okay Colorado are dominating and they're getting nothing. Yeah, and they got that power play, and they got nothing. They yeah. got less than nothing, and then finally, yeah. it's like I was so glad that they got rewarded in the first period, so they didn't have time to go all the way back to the locker room. Like, man, what do we have to do? Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's because I mean they've actually over this past week. I know the results haven't been there, but they've actually played some fairly dominating hockey. I mean, against the Sharks. I mean, the Sharks had nothing for them at a lot of points of that game. It was it was a terribly boring game, but the Az were really controlling play for a lot of it. It's just the Sharks, they decided to chip everything out as soon as they got the puck in the defensive zone. But uh, you needed to see the result of the hard work paying off to have confidence that they were going to be able to go ahead and, and win that game. Especially and, and I, where again, St. Louis can basically only play for a tie, too. Right, they basically started the game with a one-goal lead. So, um, you know, just just seeing I, – I, I mean, I think Sam's reaction sort of summed up how the players felt too, and, and they kind of needed to see a payoff from all the hard work. Yeah. Um, so, and then the second period didn't quite get off to the same kind of start, but I felt like they kind of picked it up as, as the period went along. Um, the, the second power play obviously being much better. Just whether they scored or not, it was just much better. Um, yeah. And then, you know, the offside review happened. And can we put a timer on <laughs> on reviews, please? Yeah. <laughs> that was long. I mean, <laughs> I realize, you know, maybe maybe they have to, you know they sit in a queue or something like that in, in Toronto waiting for the right official to be able to look at it. But um, I honestly thought that was offside and I was very surprised that they, it didn't get called back because it really did look like there was just a, just a slice of white in between the puck and the blue line when, when Barry saved it. But um, you know, I'm, I'm going to chalk that up to karma for the one that they blew earlier in the year that everyone's been moaning about for, five months now yeah um. I, I agree on, i agree on both points there honestly it probably was offside but beyond a shadow of a doubt 
Yeah, no. exactly. But it's not enough to call it back. If you're going to call that back, then you know it's like everything's up for grabs. But, but it is a call that could have gone either way, and yeah. it went our way. And I agree. I, I think Karma did did serve at that point right there. I mean, when the, pl- when the play happened live, I thought it came out. I was like, oh, I hope they don't go ahead and score because now I'll have to sit through a review. And then they did. <laughs> <laughs> and well, then the, we did. The funny thing is, is that I I tend to watch the game maybe a little bit behind just because I like to get through the commercial. You know, I don't if I need to move forward with the game, I can. And so my husband was watching upstairs. I guess he was watching the score and he never watches. So he comes downstairs near when that power play started. And then he calls the shot. When Barry takes a shot, he goes, here it is. Well, he knew that they scored. I didn't know that he knew. And so it goes <laughs> in and I'm like, <laughs> really? And then he goes, they're going to review this forever, but it's fine. I'm like, are you serious? I was like, <laughs> Spoilers in your own house. Ouch. I know. I was like, you're you're sure they counted it, right? He's like, yeah, they, it counts. I'm like, well, thanks for su- saving me like ten minutes worth of like, oh shit, stress. And then yeah, I go, that, they- that's a good spoiler. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. <laughs> so I'm sorry that I did not go through the agony that you all went through with that because I was like, oh great, it's gonna be a goal. This is lovely. And then when they did the frame by frame, I was like, oh wow. <laughs> Yeah, because Pete and Mike were, were not confident at all that that was going to be a goal. See, the, the three of you had the the fortune to have the replay angles and the commentary and the analysis. I was in the building and I had to sit through it live <laughs> with nothing. But a guess as to whether, oh, here, here we go again. Where we, ha- where have we seen this before? So- That's what Twitter's good for. When I'm at the game and there's like something iffy, I'm like, all right, let, what, what are the people who are seeing this on TV think? <laughs> and and from my angle, uh, when Barry handled that puck, I saw a sliver of white too, and I thought, oh, it's out. And then I saw the the linesman wave the arms, like, oh wait, it's in. And then <laughs> the shot went in, and then we have you know the the review from the twilight zone and i'm like well i guess i can with these next 10 minutes i can go and get another plate of nachos and a soda go use the bathroom come back eat my nachos finish my <laughs> soda and <laughs> wait for this review to finish with another five minutes to go check the check the twitters see what people are thinking about it and then oh by the way it's a good goal play on <laughs> so how much does that kill the energy in the building when you got to sit on your hands for seven minutes just going hmm is it I mean, I it. it did a little bit since St. Louis came back and, and scored on their power play right almost immediately. Well, it wasn't immediately, but it was it was pretty close to that. Um, I mean, I can understand taking so much time because the it really that yeah, is that a is really important. important call. But um, I, I like I, what Earl says. If it took that long, it it ain't conclusive. But yeah, yeah. that too. That. I agree with there should be put a timer on it because if it's not obvious in two minutes, then then you just say you can't change it. Yeah, right. Especially now with the new rule in, in, in place where you have Toronto making a, uh, having a look at it and then you have the uh, retired ref up there having a look at that. In Isn't addition that to... just for goalie interference, though? Yeah. It just like, was in Toronto for GI. This was... 
This was still the iPad call, wasn't it? Oh, okay. Yeah, because it's the linesmen that have to do it. But that's somehow even okay. worse. I mean, yeah, I don't y'all saw that camera. Can't... Yeah, I don't understand why all kinds of reviews can't be centralized. Because I don't um, see how they the could. guys... They'd have to have a retired linesman in Toronto to do that, <laughs> Well, I think it's even worse. <laughs> how, how are you going to determine something like pixels on a line when you're looking at an iPad under the arena lights? I guarantee <laughs> uh, we're going to find this out over the next two months. On, <laughs> with, a, with a video feed coming from a camera that couldn't have been recording more than 12 pixels across. <laughs> yeah. yeah. At, at how many frames per second? Like... <laughs> 10. I mean, it's like, I mean, a GoPro is not that expensive. I mean, a GoPro is 50,000 times better than whatever they have on the blue line. You know? <laughs> yes, they've, they've got to, if they're going to do this pixel by like pixel GoPro review, would sponsor bullshit. that, you know? Yeah. They'd love to sponsor that. And it, yeah, here's your blue line review sponsored by GoPro. And every team would have a quick little ad read when there was a review. I mean, that, yeah. there's your instant revenue. Is that hockey related? I don't even know. It may not even be <laughs> hockey related <laughs> revenue. <laughs> but I, but I think the the goal was that was another big moment in the game. Even though St. Louis brought it back to a one score game after that, it was yeah. There, that was it, I. I don't really consider the last four minutes and thirty five seconds of the game to be a turtle. <clears throat> I, I consider the 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 turtle that happened there was was the only hint of a turtle we got. The the whole game basically i love the third period yeah because they um, no they, they didn't but before turtle we get to the third up. period i loved max goal 4v4 oh, oh my yeah. god that yeah was and the crazy thing was right you look at it and it hit the crossbar and the post just like jost's that that just barely missed earlier in the game but max went in i mean that was just you know you're just like, oh, good, it went in. <laughs> yeah, you kind of knew they were going to win at that point. Yeah. Just... yeah. You're like, okay, they'd really have was... to blow this. Yeah. And that was a great cycle. Like they did that. against Anaheim. Which, yeah, yeah, which they did. <laughs> well, yeah, but the, this was a, the, against Anaheim, they, they, they weren't playing like this. No. I mean, but but that, that goal sentence. did feel like that's what we were waiting for. You're waiting for the McKinnon goal. You're waiting yeah. for them to Hi, guys, get I'm back. The, that that two goal lead again, it it did. It just felt like that was gonna be enough. And then yeah, the third period was like Colorado did an amazing job in the third period of just not letting anything happen. Just keep yeah. the clock running. Five yep. minutes would go by. You'd be like, whoa, I'm I should be sitting here counting down the seconds. Where did five minutes go? Yeah, that I mean, it's weird because I mean, all right, after like the Sharks game took, I think it took like five hours to play, and <laughs> sort so of the the game against LA felt like that too. <clears throat> but that third period flew by. I mean, you're just like, oh man, look at that! It's you know, tick tick gone. And that's what teams do to the Avalanche when they have the lead in the third period. So it was just it was awesome to see that go the other way. And to see the abs not come in and take stupid penalties, to see them not giving up odd man rushes because they got too aggressive, to see them not just sit in their own zone the entire period. Like, it was just a really well-played third period, and I didn't know this team was capable of that. I'm glad they are. Yeah, and I, I, I think the fact that, that Mike Yo pulled Jake Allen with, with so much time remaining, I mean, obviously they needed two goals and it's a huge game, but... Um... You know, it, he knew that they weren't getting anything 5v5. 
Mm-hmm. And, <clears throat> I, you know, that, that just sort of showed a little bit more desperation than you would think that the, that the Blues would need at that point in the game. Um, Especially without Tarasenko. Right. Yeah. That, that's another storyline that we haven't even mentioned. Tarasenko left early in the game with just a completely innocuous missed hit on Gabe Landeskog that apparently really tore up his arm. Yeah, I can't. I mean, they showed the replay on that. I'm just like, he hurt himself doing what there? I mean, it's like, <laughs> you know. Like nothing well, happened. Had... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he obviously aggravated what, what kept him out <clears throat> earlier and. I don't remember if it was last week or the week before, but selfishly, I'm glad it wasn't because Landeskog hit him so that we didn't have to hear about that for all of eternity. <laughs> yeah. We're already going to hear about the okay. outside review. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's just, I hate the whole Landeskog's dirty, that whole narrative. It's just so stupid. It's like, if he was actually dirty, then yeah, it comes with the territory, but he's not. It's just so stupid. So I mean, he's dirty when he gets frustrated, but I mean, oh, just sort of in the general. Oh, he's not a boy, but I mean, if we're talking on the dirty scale, it's just ridiculous. He's not even the dirtiest yeah. player on the team. No. But like, I, I, when I try to think back of dirty things Landeskog has done, like the the number one thing that comes to mind is when he, without looking, cross-checked a guy in the face. Yeah. <laughs> like, that wasn't even on purpose. <laughs> and... <clears throat> His goal, I mean, empty net goals. You know, you're you're always a little bit elated because generally that seals a win. Um, but the the Avs reaction on the ice to that goal was was just amazing, and and the and the gift that's been out there on on uh, of Miko diving on the pile. That's definitely <laughs> one of the, the best moments of the season for me as well. With him just kind of just but, rolling in all slow and then just belly flopping on top. Yeah, that's not a small dude. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> he's the biggest guy in the ice, and he's diving right on top of you. <laughs> it was a big, it was a big I, finish. Hey. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I think for me, and what you said earlier also about Gerard's reaction to his goal, is that it was so nice to see the team show how much it meant. And for me, I mean, I'm excited for us as fans we get to watch more hockey you know we get to experience this but truly who i'm the most happy for is the players i i feel like they wanted it so bad it was such a goal of theirs they worked so hard you know they they want the recognition the the truly that they put last year behind them and everything so for me to see them so elated and happy is probably the best part of all of it yeah, there was a lot of skepticism out there just because they're the youngest team in the league and they haven't learned how to win a game like this yet. And, you know, it's nice to sort of prove that theory is flawed. Um, you know, and, and regardless of what happens in the coming weeks, um, you know, I think they really learned a lot by losing all the games that they really shouldn't have over the past couple of weeks. And then finally sealing the deal last night i think they might take more moving forward out of that game than what they might do in the whole series against nashville and who knows i mean maybe they could win it whatever there might be a bigger moment that we obviously don't see coming right now but i think the way they came together and they accomplished their goal and how they played 
last night. I think that's going to kind of carry forward with them more than the actual playoffs. If that makes any yeah, sense. It, it's rare that, you know, I, I was listening to the BSN pod earlier and, you know, AJ was talking about how he gave everyone A's, you know, just, just like he did a few weeks ago. When they Brazil um, Minnesota. When they Brazil Minnesota. Yeah. And he didn't you give know, everyone he, A's. That's, he gave a couple of players S's, which I don't think I've seen him do that. <laughs> S, of course, uh, being superior to A. Yep. And, <laughs> but, you know, when I was writing up my thing this morning, I, I felt the same way. Like, I, you know, I, I can't really fault too many guys for their overall play last night. And it's, I mean, the fourth line barely played, but they, you know, they played well when they were on the ice. I mean, Mark Holt only played eight minutes, but he was good when he was on the ice for those eight minutes. Gabriel Bork and, had a chance at the top of the crease in the third period. Like, come on. Yeah. Um, so I, I just, when everyone on the team comes together and plays that well for a whole game, that sort of shows you what sort of potential you have going forward. So was there anyone whose games you didn't like? Because the only name that comes to mind for me is Blake Como. Um, didn't, I don't know. Like Nemeth's icing on that delayed offside was really dumb. But I'm not. You know, it's like I I can't I can't fault a guy's entire game for one dumb play. I mean, that's um, infuriating though. You're right. <laughs> yeah, about that. You know, you're like, God, dude, don't you realize what this game means? Don't do that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then they ice it again, and they're stuck in their own zone. They ice it again, stuck in their own zone, all because of yeah. that. I know, and it's like that was the worst stretch of the game, and it, you can trace it back to one silly play. But you know, again, I'm not going to fault him because you know. He, he was he was out there like he and Barbaria were out there for a lot of that last four minutes and thirty five seconds, and you know I I thought they along with Max Line and Carl's Line did did a wonderful job at the end of the game. So it's you know he he made up for it. <clears throat> I mean you could pick on Barbario for the two penalties, but they were pretty weak. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean like it... yeah the the second one. I don't care how hard you touch the guy. Don't send people in the direction of your goaltender. Just don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> you're either you're going to get your guy hurt or you're going to pay the stupid tax. One or the other. Just don't do it. I think it says a lot about Barbaria that he was the, the leading minute getter. You know, you can't say 5v5, but at even strength. Which is basically everything except for special teams. Includes um, 4v4. Yeah, and it, it includes five v six and six v five too. Ah, um, that's that. Sh- it shouldn't though. That's not even strength. I know, but that's how they do it. So, it's what we have to work with. Um, but I, you know, I, I think that showed first of all that you know he's he's important, um, you know, to the team as far as how he can play defensively and still be able to move the puck, um, and, and sort of how the how the coaching staff feels about it his game and, and how he plays out there. I think especially uh, with EJ out, like you said, he kind of fills that defensive, but still mobile and can move the puck role. So I, right, I agree. Right. I think it, he's going to be a, a lot more critical to have with EJ gone. Yeah. Um, but it's just, when I looked at the, I didn't notice him on the ice as much as, you know, he really was, I guess. You know, when I was looking at the time on ice, 
um, stats this morning. It really did surprise me that he was the top guy out there for you know a, a large portion of the game. So, um, you know, I, I guess it's really good to have him back. And that's saying something, considering it was only his second game back after missing so much time. Right. Yeah. Which is just crazy how he just all of a sudden was like, hey, I'm better now, and and I know they just kind of had to insert him because they, they don't really have the time to ease him in and practice and this and that. And, you know, he's cleared, and you figure 80% is probably better than what you're going to get out of Warsawski, so just, just go with it. Yeah, I mean, I think probably the Sharks game was a little early, but, I mean, like I was saying at that time, I was like, if you're going to play Barbario in game 82 you don't want him going into that game cold like if, if he's going to make some sort of out of the lineup type errors you want him to do that against san jose and get it all out of the system and then have him be, yeah you know, definitely much right on for the final game mm-hmm. and I, I think all year that players have been able to step in and and not have like the whole rest period so credit to the the training staff and except wilson <laughs> well, he just has a bad hip, so he's just gonna just kind of gimp along. Yeah. <laughs> but even he was decent last night. He was. He does seem to kind of go up and down. Like some games, he just looks like he has no mobility, and in other games, he he does a lot better. Maybe it just depends on how the hip's feeling that day or whatnot. I think it. I. I... You know, you look at Landy had that same problem. I think it was last year. Yeah. Um, and, you know, everyone's like, oh, he's so slow. He's terrible. God, <laughs> you know, all the stuff that everyone always tools on Landy for. And it's just, you sort of see what's happening with Wilson. And we've never really seen Wilson at his best on the Avalanche because he's had it since training camp. <clears throat> um, That's true. But it's just, you know, when you're Gabe and you have a problem like that, you're just sort of kind of awesome instead of totally awesome. But with Wilson, it just makes him a serious liability most of the time. But, you know, it's like he can still make plays as a fourth liner and, and, and not kill everything. But boy, was Landis got good last night. Holy oh crap. Boy. <laughs> the, the the three stars were, were Landis Gog and Bernier and Gerard, and it's tough to argue with any of them. Oh yeah, the, because especially Landis Cog and Gerard were just their best games of the season. Yeah, if, I am you, surprised. if anyone ever questioned Gabe's leadership as the captain, I think this game sort of puts that to bed forever. In a um, way, in a way, I hate that he gets that validation because he got point. Like, I wish that you could say that and say nobody would be able to argue that if he had no points in that game. Yeah, I mean that. You know that's part of it, but I mean and it's like the generation of shots of and the hits and yeah. just you know. Uh, he does need to produce at some point. Like he does need to score, but but like you said, the shots, the hits, the leadership, the presence. I wish that was enough for people sometimes, and it's not. He yeah. came out early in that game and just set the tone and said, here's what we're going to do. And the team said, okay. Yeah. Yeah, that... he definitely sets the tone. Those games when he can come out and he throws a big hit immediately just seems to give them those good starts that they need. Yeah. And he was just ultra-focused the whole night. I mean, he was driving that line. Um, 
I don't know. I mean, I just I loved his game. I, I and I, you know, it's like Sam's goal was fantastic, and then the play where he made it, I forget who it was. Was that Shen? We just turned on a dime, and the dude went right headfirst into the boards. <laughs> um, you know, th those stand out. But but Sam from zero to sixty, it just had a, a fantastic game last night. I mean, he was just uh, on another level than we've really seen him play for an entire game all season. So I, yeah. I think being in the three stars is, is it's more than just the goal for him. I love that they gave him the first star. Like when they didn't name him the, the, the third and the second, I, I thought they were going to name McKinnon the first star because especially at home, they've kind of been giving the first star to basically who they want to talk, not necessarily who deserved it and, yeah, or deserved it the most, I should say. And and he did score a goal, and it was a big. I think it ended up being the game-winning goal. I thought for sure they were going to pick McKinnon. So, <laughs> but it was so nice to give Gerard that recognition, which I think I think he's deserved. I still think he's been a bit underrated this season. I I love that he had a game that was kind of like his coming out party. And I feel, and it, it was like the big moments like that, like the hip check on, who was that? Um, was that Schwartz? It's either Shen or Schwartz. One it was, it was one, Yeah, one or the other two. And uh, you know the goal and kind of like those those big moments that you're going to remember. But I remember this week in that Kings game, I thought he had the best game that he had all season, and. He didn't have those like big things that stick out in your mind, but he was just so good with the puck and moving the puck and making plays. And, you know, I, I think like that first star is also a culmination of kind of like maybe the step he's taken since EJ went out the second time, you know, the minutes that he's been playing, he's been playing 20 minutes, you know, this and that. And it was like the perfect end of the season for him. I remember thinking the same thing during that Kings game. Like it looked like the whole team had played the night before, and he had been scratched the night before. It was how it was almost how his game looked. Like he was just that much better than basically everyone else on the ice for Colorado. I mean, they they went into LA and they got just stomped, and we expected that, and people were still shocked that they went to LA and got stomped. But you you were just saying earlier today you didn't think they were going to win, so it's your problem. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Sam was. Sam had himself a week, and and against St. Louis, he really just put a giant bow on it. And it's been a really strong season for him. Someone was talking, um, I don't remember if it was on the Altitude broadcast or if it was in one of our conversations in, on Twitter or on Discord, but um, if, if Gerard doesn't get traded to Colorado this season, he probably doesn't spend most of the season playing NHL games. Yeah. I don't think so. I, I yeah. think... With him, there's it was almost like a, a gift, kind of like just the way that it all turned out. Because I agree, I don't know if Nashville keeps him in the NHL all year. If he doesn't get traded at some point, they probably send him back. You know, I don't think if the Avs had drafted him, there's any way that a 19 year old playing in the NHL was on the table. Like, we'd be hearing about how he'd need to go to the AHL for several years and this and that. Like, you know, the Avs gave him a chance because he came in the trade and, you know, just everything kind of, the stars aligned perfectly that 
that he played on this team and he was able to contribute and he was able to do it now, I think was only in this exact situation. Yeah. I mean, everything fell right for that. Um, and I think just, just over this past week, you're looking at how he's sort of upped his level and you're sort of thinking about, all right, when he's 20 and 21 or 22, you know, that's going to be the level he's going to be at most of the time. And you're just, you're wondering sort of, you know, is he a number one defenseman? Um, you know, can he be, it's not 1985 anymore. Can he be a, a number one defenseman at his size? I mean, it, he can definitely play like one and he can dominate a game like one. So it could really be a paradigm shift in how, uh, you know, how, how we can finally throw size out of the equation with defensemen once and for all. And I think especially with Gerard, I, I, I wouldn't put a limit on his ceiling because I, I think he could contribute in so many ways. Like you said, it, is, it, is it possible he could be number one defenseman? I, I wouldn't say no at this point either. Just for Sam Gerard to be able to just to spend this whole year in the NHL. He's he clearly demonstrated from the word go he belonged in the NHL. He may have been number seven on the Predators depth chart, and him sitting in the press box would be the absolute worst use of his season. So they were going to send him somewhere to play games, but he would have wasted a year of development, more or less, because he would have been you know a step above wherever he was planning. He's ready for NHL action, and Colorado was able to give it to him. So, and then Good and deal. then you'd look. And then you'd go into next year and you'd have the AHL on the table. It's easier to send a guy to the AHL when it's an option. You know, the, when the Avs decided to keep him and use his contract year, they kind of were saying, this is it. We don't really have another option. Like, you know, they could have sent him back to junior technically, but they weren't. They, the contract year had already been burned, so they were going to keep him. And then they probably had other reasons to keep him and, it you know because of the trade and this and that but but he really did play and earn his stay in the nhl and he played every single game since the trade he played the 68 games since he arrived and that is just such a huge contribution and i think everyone recognizes that he makes the team better you know the way he moves the puck what we've seen in some of the exit data things like that and he did contribute 20 points to the Avs and things like that. But I honestly don't think they're in the playoffs if they don't have Gerard on the team. I don't think you're I wrong. I agree. <laughs> and, and shout out to Coach Bednar for continuing to put a, a rookie out there in big situations. and just you Absolutely. Know, yeah, I think Bednar's and the coaching staff have handled him great. If he If he's needed to take take a little bit of step back. They've done that without needing to scratch him, other things like that. And then they've also put him in those situations. Like I noticed over, and I'd have to look up exactly. I didn't look for every game, but he's been starting in the defensive zone a lot more lately, you know, taking on a bigger role. It's not just minutes, not just because EJ's out and things like that. Like they really have slowly kind of stepped up kind of the, the role and the expectations for him. So the <clears throat> excuse me, the one other player that I would want to spend time hyping 
after the game on Saturday would be Tyson Jost, who I thought did everything but score a goal. He was fantastic, too. Um, yeah, he had a great game. I really want the time to come when some of those ch- chances in tight start going ping and in instead of ping and out. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I th- I'd love he's... to see his ping count from the season. <laughs> but he he's I think he's ready to take a, a really big step next season. He he has slowly just kind of worked his way through figuring out what this NHL thing is all season long, and he's had a couple of games this week where he has just done everything short of takeover, and I'm excited to see what he's going to be able to bring in the future. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he has the, that the week before that, he was really he was really kind of struggling, and. It just he, you you hear him interviewed and he's so focused and he seems to be able to get over that by pure mental preparation. Um, you know, it's like he's he's gone through some some weak stretches this season, but it, they don't really last long. Uh, you know, he seems very motivated to correct things that that aren't going his way in his game. And you know, like the scoring thing, yeah, that needs to get better overall. But as far as his general play on the ice. He's very good at bouncing back from weak performances. And, and, I mean, again, for being the same age as Sam, that's just incredible. Yeah, and I love how his game is that mix of determination but also the skill. He has that really nice shot that that he's going to be able – and I, agree, I do think that he's going to be able to score on a lot of those close ones next year and moving forward and – and that was really should have been his game in that Anaheim game if they had won that because the two goals that he scored were huge goals in that game and such an important game for them too. That's yeah, part of why it was so disappointing that they couldn't make a ten go- make a two goal lead last ten minutes in the third period. <laughs> Again. Again. <laughs> And it's been nice to see that line together. And I wonder if that's something that maybe they can use even going into next year. Andrew Ghetto, Kerfoot, Jost, which I like because it kind of gets Kerfoot out of purgatory. I, I just, the fourth line isn't conducive to anybody scoring. And if you're like Tone and Auto and you don't really need to score, that's okay. But basically everyone else that they stick there needs to produce at some point. So to kind of give Kerfoot a purpose again, I think that's helpful. And then he meshes well with Jost. And then Andrew Ghetto brings that perfect kind of mix of dash of experience to that line. And that would, it would be neat to see that moving forward. If that could be like more of a permanent thing. Yeah. I'm excited to see what they can do against Nashville. I think if Jost hadn't had the slow start with his injury this year, that may have given him a little bit more time to refine some of those things in, in his game. And maybe those shots that were going ping and out at this stage of the season could have gone ping and in like, like uh, you, you may want him to start seeing. So who's to say, of course we can't rewind the, the clock, but maybe next season, if he's healthy after training camp, we'll start seeing a, what he can do with a full healthy constitution about him. Yeah, I mean, that that certainly would have helped. It. I think just with his age, I think maybe it was a little touch early for him. And 
I think he was always going to kind of need the season to kind of go from point A to point B. And, and obviously the injury made that slower, but I do think it was always going to be a, a progression for him. I think, I think knowing bringing him into the team and signing him that early, it was going to kind of be a, a little bit of a road for him. And I also think that the games that he played last season, you know, you're, you're you're always saying like, oh, you bring a kid in as an amateur, play the the last few games of the season, and just sort of show them what the NHL is like. Well, the Avs weren't really an NHL team last year, and I I, <laughs> I I don't think that you really get a sense of what the NHL is like from playing in that situation. And I, I think what he's going to be able to learn this summer, you know, when he's back home training and and you know at development camp and everything, I I think he's going to be a lot more confident that you know he sort of knows what he has to do, um, and, and that's big because it just it being able to focus yourself more when you're we're trying to get stuff done, um, I I think he's going to come to camp and just be ready to tear it up. Certainly hope so. I mean, we, we hate to take a, a good week here and there and extrapolate it to, well, they, the kid's developing and he's ready to go. So we, he still has to prove it. Um, but I'm excited. And uh, unless anyone else has anything to say about it today, that that's it. The season's over. We, we made it. Bye-bye. <laughs> we, we, we this is a great, 80, uh, great 83. Or 83. 82. Great game, 82. We survived 82 games, and I had one one demand of the Colorado Avalanche this season, and that was, please be watchable. Um, there were maybe three games that were unwatchable. <laughs> I just asked for goals. I just, I, I couldn't have a whole season with no goals, and, well, they provided goals, so. 3.11 per game. How many did they end up with, total? It's in the two fifties. I, I forget. That's that's pretty good. Yeah, almost a hundred more than last year. <laughs> <laughs> they scored two fifty-seven. That's pretty good. And they allowed yeah. two thirty-seven. That's plus twenty. Yep. They Great ended to have with a positive goal differential. They ended with twenty-eight home wins, which was. Only bested by Vegas and Winnipeg, which are very difficult places to go win games. So that's pretty impressive. Of course, yeah, that's just the West. Out East Tampa beat that too, and so did Pittsburgh. They were great at home, though. They they had something extra special at home. If if they had been able to play that way on the road, this season would would have been probably approaching the miracle year. Yeah, that's that's their next step. Is how do you win road yeah. games? Yeah, I think they're one of three playoff teams that don't have a winning record at home, something like that. On the road. And I think yeah, one of those um, might actually be I, – I just closed the standings again. I think one of those actually Pittsburgh, is the Pittsburgh yeah. Penguins. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Pittsburgh – and funnily enough, um, the Avs had 39 power play goals at home, and that was tied for first in the league with Pittsburgh. Hmm. Yeah, we still don't understand what we'll, – why there's such a big difference between home and road on the power play and penalty kill, but that'll always be a paradox. Yeah. I mean, their home penalty kill was the best in the league and they only gave up 10 goals at home on the kill. Damn. And it was, I think it was 91.7%. 
Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Yeah. So that's the season down. Um, let's talk about the postseason that the Avalanche get to take part in after scoring 48 comp- or standings points last year. Woohoo! Playoffs! Um, no Varley in the first round of the playoffs. Yeah. How do you feel about that? Feel good. <sighs> Can't choke game seven if you don't play in it. <laughs> okay, Dater. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Bernier won, won us 82, so I'm okay with it. Yeah. I'm, you know, I'm and, just like... And if the unthinkable happens, Hammond can come in... <laughs> And, and be, you know, at least we know he's a serviceable backup for, you know, half a game or something like that. If, yeah, we, if we know he can play if he has to. Yeah. Um, but but it's there's not a lot of teams out there that have a Jonathan Bernier on their roster. And I'm I'm just like, I'm, I was glad with the, that they picked him up o- over the summer. And it's been like endless validation every time Varley's gotten hurt and Bernier's been able to come in and be better than just fine. Because for a lot of times, if your starter goes down, like everybody's goalie gets hurt a time or two, but then you're looking to your backup and saying, "I hope the backup can be fine." But you know, Bernier yeah, was the the ten win streak guy. Like the, Bernier's there; he's gonna be okay. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of even been a luxury, which you know we're not gonna get too much into next year. But I do hope that they can kind of find a way because if they can bring Bernier back and then they still have one more year of Varley, you know, whatever they decide to do after that. But I think, I think this is the tandem you want. Cause exactly like there hasn't been any kind of like, wow, we feel like this is such a downgrade when one guy gets injured. It's like you have confidence in both. They both have had great stretches right. and you feel like you can win playoff games with them. So I, it depends what he wants, but I, I can't imagine after going through this with the team and everything, and now he's the guy, why he wouldn't be open to staying. So I, I, I hope they can find a way to make it work because uh, I think it does put, give the Avs a leg up on maybe a lot of teams on kind of where they are at, at least with the tandem. Yeah, I was going to say, it's very rare that you can have a true tandem that works and, and... – I think that, that a Varley-Bernier situation would probably be the, the first time in many years that, that that actually does work as far as having a, a starter and a, a second starter, if you will, that, that, that are pretty close in games started. It's just the way it worked out. It, was, it wasn't ever because one guy was hot and one guy got sad. It was, it was like the perfect injury shuffle where it felt like both guys really were the number one and had a run with it. And it wasn't because another guy was sitting. And and maybe Bernier is just a really good tandem goalie because the last goalie tandem that I can think of working like this was when with that the half season when Toronto randied their way into the playoffs with with uh, James Reimer and Jonathan Bernier. Yeah, it's <clears throat> it, it's tough to to have two guys that can work in that role together, and and I think just sort of with. with you know, I mean, Varley played, I forget what his streak was before he was injured, but what was it, like 18 straight games or something like that? It was a lot. Maybe he like, played well. I think it was 22, yeah. maybe not all started, but I think he had played yeah, in 22. Right, because, yeah, there's those incidents. <laughs> yeah, he, he um, finally got a night off and somebody hip-checked Bernier's button to the post. Yep. 
Or his um, head into the post, not his butt. That wouldn't make any sense. <laughs> might have done his butt too. I don't know. Who knows? Um, but yeah, both guys showed that they, you know, they can carry the team when they need to. And I, I just, I, I think with, you know, I, I don't think Bernier would do quite as well if he was a the starter in playing sixty games. And we know that Varley really can't play sixty games anymore. So you know, it might it might sort of be a perfect situation for for Bernier, Varley, and the Avs if something like that happens. Yeah, and we'll obviously get into this a lot more um, in, in a postseason episode, but if, if if Varley and Bernier are back next season, they play a 52-30 game split, I'm down for that. In a way that yeah. I wasn't earlier in the year. Yeah, I definitely would like to see both come back. So to the original question, I feel fine with Bernier in net in the playoffs, especially... He had that game 82. He won the game. You know, it just, it feels like it, it's part of what he earned and what he deserved. You know, he won that game. He stopped the puck. So he should be the starter in, in the playoffs. So uh, I'm fine with it. And Colorado aren't even in this conversation if they don't randomly win 10 in a row over the winter. And he was in net for that playing out of his mind. So yeah, he deserves it. Yeah. And there's an element of trust in that locker room with him. I think too. so too. I think I think they do have a connection with Bernier. Yeah, because I mean the team like right after the Duchesne trade, they kind of you know they kind of flopped around for a while, then they got hot, and then sort of in December they really kind of cooled off. And then that that winning streak saved their season basically, as far as. Uh, getting back into where they could think about being in a playoff spot. And I, I you know, I, I think without a 10 straight game win streak, they'd, they'd be chasing it so hard that, that they wouldn't have come close at the end. So, you know, it, it was, it was a very important stretch and, and he was a huge part of that. So I, I you know, I, I have no problem um with his confidence in, in playing in a playoff series like this, I, I think, you know, I'd be happy with either guy, but I'm totally confident in, in how he'll play. The schedule for the first round is out. It is terrible, horrible, no good, and very bad. I hate it. I want to punch the schedule in the schedule's face. <laughs> Colorado opened their series in Nashville on Thursday at 9.30 Eastern. That is an 8.30 local start on a work night. Aye. And a school night. <laughs> Game two is on Saturday. It's also in Nashville. That one's an afternoon starts, 3 Eastern. Uh, that one is the only good start time of the bunch. And I know a lot of you hate afternoon games. So like me. You can't even agree with me on that. <laughs> <laughs> then the series moves to Colorado on Monday and Wednesday, the 16th and 18th. Both games are at 10 Eastern, which is 8 local, on 2... Um, work and school nights. Thank you so much for that. And then they never announce times for game five, six, or seven for some reason, but they do give us dates. Um, game five will be back in Nashville on 420, nice. And Sunday will be, uh, 422 will be game six in Denver, and then they'll, be, they'll finish up in Nashville on the 24th, if necessary. I think it's for TV. They want to wait and see which is the best game to put on national TV. Maybe. And if, 
if there's not a lot of teams left, they can put it at a reasonable time too. But at, at any at rate, reasonable that one. Th- yeah, th- there's nothing reasonable about these times. No. Like this, this schedule sucks. <laughs> I know, and I, I hate the afternoon game more than anything, but 10 o'clock's not great either. <laughs> 9.30 for a game in the central, de- or central time zone. What are you doing? <laughs> they did that to the Hawks last year, I think, too. And they've definitely done it to Minnesota. But I'm, I'm pretty sure it's that those just... were games against California teams. It might be, yeah. Um, like it's it's least... just, you know, if you're not in the time zone that matters, then you get screwed. More or less. I like I like at least that it's every other. I kind of like the the normalcy yeah. of at least the, the play every other day. Yeah, I do like that. It's got good tempo. Yeah. I, I hate when you have to go in and play back-to-back and then get a couple of days off, and then, like that, that's just awkward. Yeah, or every, if you start getting it every three days, it's just, I don't know, it's just either drags on or, yeah. <laughs> just day on, day off is, is a good good rhythm. Yeah, it's a good playoff series rhythm. It's not a great regular season rhythm. We, we just saw February and March and, and April. Don't don't get ahead of yourselves here, NHL Schedule Maker, who's definitely listening to the show. But it's good for a series. <laughs> um... <laughs> Okay, so back in October, a slightly different Avs team lost in Nashville 4-1. When they came home from Sweden, they went back to Nashville that following weekend and lost again 5-2. And then in March, they lost at home to Nashville twice, once in overtime 4-3 and once 4-2. Of course, the 4-3 overtime loss came on the back of a late-game 6-on-5 tying goal, or Colorado would have had to Nashville their first loss in regulation since, like, a month prior to that. <laughs> So I think the writing's on the wall here, and the outcome is obvious. The winner will be the Colorado Avalanche. Everyone, how do they make it happen? <laughs> the magic of Sam Gerrard against his old team. That's how we'll do it. Um, you and know, Colin just jokingly, <laughs> the joke, <laughs> jokingly, I would say that Rene has to get injured and, and Saros play not so hot. <laughs> um, I, I think they can make this competitive. And I, I think the further along it gets, uh, the more that the underdog sort of gains an advantage because, you know, if you're Nashville, you're, you're thinking you should wrap this up in, in five games at the most. It's a, it's a one eight series. And as far as a, a conference seed would go, um, I, I think if, if the abs just keep pushing and, and sort of, you know, if they can force a game six, I, I think anything can happen from that point on. Yeah, I, I agree. I think the longer it goes on, it's going to wear more on Nashville than than it would on. Then the pressure shifts to them. If the Avs could even win one in Nashville, would be huge. Would really turn, I think, the series into, like you said, maybe a six, maybe maybe even a seven. Um, I think the pressure of the Presidents Cup that. That's kind of been a little bit of a curse, I think. Everyone, Washington. <laughs> everyone's penciled them in, so I, I do a lot of pressure on them, and it is kind of interesting how the games in Nashville were played so early, then a huge break, then they play two in Denver, and those games were, I think they were competitive in them when they almost won too, but. 
the second one was on the second night of a back-to-back with travel. That that one was the whole schedule loss kind of thing, especially after a huge emotional win against St. Louis. So big irony here. (laughs) But um, I think they can hang with them. So we'll see. And Colin Wilson will score a huge goal. Book it, right? Right. I I think there's already some built-in pressure on Nashville already as the defending Western Conference champions. On top of that, they also don't know how much time they have left with Rene in goal. I know that Saros is the heir apparent, but they'll probably want to try and get Rene a ring before he's done. The, The Avs don't necessarily have that pressure with their window just now starting to get clean and before long hopefully opens up here a little bit more so the abs have go they, they have nothing to lose here they're they they're in there's no pressure there's no expectations so when you don't have that block in your brain about we have to meet this expectation by whether it's us our fans or media or whatever you can just go out and play your player your game play your hockey and that's what i think how, i think that's what will be the key for the abs and I think they had pressure. The Avs had pressure holding on to that playoff uh, spot because it's not like they. The only time they they had it was at the end of the day after game eighty two. It was like, you know, they had it and then they were losing these games and were they going to lose it and fall down even further? So I agree. At this point, it's just complete house money time, just party, whatever. <laughs> yeah. But I do but wonder. I- if they win a couple, then it's like, oh, you know, could they really do this? So here's how it happens. The uh, The first game is very late. It is a it is an 8.30 start in Nashville. Colorado have been playing playoff hockey for a couple of weeks now. They have been, with that level of intensity, must win, must win, must win. And Nashville have not had a lot to play for lately. Yeah, they haven't had a good couple weeks either, have they? Yeah. Not Well, they haven't had to, which is kind of the point. I think Nashville comes into game one sleepy, and Colorado surprised them. Nashville aren't really taking Colorado too seriously, and, and why would they? Um, other than it's the playoffs and you have to take everyone seriously. And so Nashville drops game one to Colorado. They come back and they probably win game two pretty handily. We come back to Denver, and the, at this point, the home teams just win their home games. Colorado has a great home record. They win three and four. They lose five, and they win game six at home. Move to, move to the second round. That's how it happens. <laughs> Could be. Could be. I like it. So what are our um, actual predictions, and what are our actual realistic hopes for this postseason? I I think, first of all, that, you know, and this, this will go for both teams, but probably more for the Avs is they haven't had a break in so long. Um, you know, they, they had the two days off in San Jose, but they haven't had a break at home in so long. So I think this four days that they've got off between games is going to sort of get rid of a few bumps and bruises and the, and the last remaining um, flu candidates will finally get healthy from that. And they're going to be a little bit stronger than they have been over the past few weeks. Um, I... I think that I agreed. I think they they could easily take one of the first two games in Nashville. Um, I'd, I'd like to see them take two games overall. If if anything more than that would be fantastic. 
Um, but I, I think getting swept would be kind of tragic. Um, <laughs> you know, just because he, I, I know your your expectations shouldn't shift so much, but you know, just getting into the playoffs isn't good enough. I think you need to win. You know, don't be Winnipeg. Win at least one game, <clears throat> and um, you know, sort of have something to build off of next year when when they get back to the playoffs. So again, hopefully. I'd say it also depends on. You I mean yeah? You don't want to see him get swept, and I don't think they will. Like, I know a lot of people are going to say it'll be over in four, maybe five. I too think they can get it to a game six. I think they're capable of winning two of these games, maybe an early one in Nashville. I certainly think they can win a game at home. So, you know, maybe they can win two, steal one on the road, win at least one at home. But if they do get swept, I think it depends how. Like. If they lose a couple in overtime or very close games, did they play the way that they played last night? You know, a lot of these things go into it. If they kind of show up and kind of get, it looks like the California road trip, which I don't think they played horrible, but, you know, they definitely weren't quite ready for for those kind of games against those teams. You know, if they look like that, it'd be a little bit disappointing, but it looks more like last night and they lose I, I still think you feel good about it what do the you skeptic. think what, what do you think if anything the, the staff will do to sort of change or just slightly modify um, either the lineup or the strategy or anything like that um, to start out I think if everyone's healthy this is the line at least given the obvious options they have, I think this is the lineup they want. Like with Wilson and with Barbario, I think, I think all just works better. He gives yeah. you a, a right-handed defense when you can more predict what he's going to do. I really feel like, and I know that Bednar does kind of like to mix things up a little bit here and there, but I really feel like after last night, that's their ideal lineup. And I think you're going to see less changes and they're going to kind of roll with that lineup i mean do, do you think that they're going to be a little more shut downy and defensive oriented or, or will they try to step on the gas and outscore them if if that's the way it's going to happen i hope they don't go defense oriented they don't have the yeah. horses with yeah. that against nashville yeah. that'd be a death sentence yep. I, I think so too i i I, I think the the mentality has to be that like if we're gonna win any of these games, we got to score like four or five goals. <laughs> you know, like the interesting thing about yesterday, and they did have a lead for a good portion of the game, was just the they didn't overuse Barry. They used five defensemen that played over twenty minutes. Like I hope they stick more with that because I think the defense works better. I think, and obviously, if they're in a game and they're behind the whole time, you're going to see more Barry and, and things like that. But I just, I hope that they kind of stick with a little bit more of a structured defense as far as just the pairing and the usage and things like that. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think that's sort of the conundrum that they're in is that, you know, when you're behind, you really need Tyson Barry to score you some goals or, you know, create some goals somehow. Um. But then but it, it, it just the doesn't help them play well. <laughs> yeah, well, it's the chances don't go up if you play him more. You know, right. it's just you, you can't force it by playing him 26 minutes. Like if you keep his minutes around 22, 23, 
you know, that's that's good. When you start getting in the 26, 28 range, it's he's not as effective. And no maybe, matter how bad you need him to do his job yeah. like that, you've right, just like got to goals... keep rolling him in a normal way. Right, and maybe they'll feel a little bit more confident with Gerard, which they have been kind of working towards that. I think Barbario back helps, gives them yeah. another defenseman that they feel confident giving the minutes. So I hope to see that. And then another part of last night was they played Mac and Miko a ton. They didn't play the Soderberg line as much, which that was that part was interesting holding on to a lead because you would maybe expect the opposite. Well, it's like, it, you know, we're talking about people who maybe didn't deserve A grades for last night, and the Soderberg line was the only line uh, that really got buried last night. You know, everyone else was was very positive, and <clears throat> you know that line did not. I think match that line well. was good against San Jose, if I remember correctly. It was. Yeah. It was. So, it also depend on the matchup with Nashville. I don't remember off the top of my head how well, you know, which lines were doing better in their games with Nashville, but that will be different in a series. So, if they can it, lean on. Mac and Miko in the big line a bit more and find success with it, I think that will help them in the series. See, I I, I think that the Kerfoot line might be yeah. the key. Because that, that too. You know, it's like Carl's line, you know, whether they get buried or not, they generally don't give up goals that much. So you can take, you know, a, some poor possession or shot metrics with those guys. Uh, but what you really need to be successful is to have the the Kerfoot line uh, be able to at least look dangerous out there, at least generate good scoring chances. Hopefully they put in a goal or two. Um, but, it, <clears throat> you know, you, you can't steal that much time away from that line because maybe a little bit of a criticism from last night was that line didn't really play that much. Um. And that's, you know, that's okay. It worked out fine last night. They just, you know, I'm sure it, when you're in the moment, you're not thinking about like, oh, I, I got to get these guys more time. You're just rolling. But um, I, I think they need to plan for the Soderberg line and the Kerfoot line to be pretty close as far as how much, how many shifts they get. I'd agree with that. Um, so the, I, I came into this asking for, for predictions and we went for how should the team play? So. That's also it's a good good question that I should have asked instead. So thank you for correcting <laughs> well, me. <laughs> well, I would love to say like, hey, I'm picking the Avs to win, and then if they do, be like, I was the only one that picked it. Oak was right. <laughs> but <laughs> Oak was right. <laughs> well, to, an to answer the, the question, <laughs> to answer the question, the skeptic in me says Preds in five. However. The fan and the season ticket holder in me says abs in sixth because I want to see three playoff games on home ice. So <laughs> the fan in yeah. me is stronger than the skeptic in me. So I'm going to go with abs in six. I do feel like that we're going to go into this thinking like, oh, this is just everything's great. We're in the playoffs this is wonderful. And then they end up winning a couple games and then it turns into, oh, shit, they could actually do this. And then we get back on the stress wagon. That's how I'm going to go. <laughs> and then we're in a game seven, and it's like, oh, my God, they could knock out the Stanley Cup favorites in round one. 
I, I feel like it's going to get to that. So th- this will be my prediction. My prediction is it will go to a game seven. That's pretty bold. Well, think about where we are now for this first round versus where we were four years ago in that first round when the abs were the, they were the, you know, they were the, they were the home ice team and it went seven. And there was the expectation based on how they played in the first two games when, you know, McKinnon broke ankles left and right all over the Minnesota defense. And like, oh, the abs got this. And then it went to seven and we all know what happened there. But then when they won game five, it was like, all right. You got to wrap this up, and then they didn't. And <laughs> I... then they didn't. <laughs> <laughs> right. But this is a good question. How how does this feel different than back then? Besides the obvious of not winning the division, blah blah blah. But you know, have they learned anything? Have we learned anything? Are we approaching this different? Is it just because we expect them to lose? I think now it feels more like it's the start of something rather than just sort of a bunch of wild, wacky coincidences giving them 112 points. But Um, also in another way, we felt like they were actually good, though. We didn't think they were that good. No. (laughs) (laughs) Not that good, but there was a lot of... Who was on the fourth line? I mean, come on. (laughs) And, And when they matched up with the wild, I was very, very nervous. Yeah. I, that was a that had it wasn't a bad team, but there were a lot of bad players on that team, and it just and but it was it, it still wasn't like, a team. Well, it's just you, you didn't feel like that was a team that was going to be together all that long. I mean, obviously we knew Stats was, you know, I thought he was going to leave, but I guess yeah, still felt differently. But but you uh, felt like you know the McKinnon stardom was coming earlier and you know the general consensus of the adding and Ginla was like this is a great thing and you know we knew that they weren't 112 good but I, I do think there was a lot more kind of drunken expectations and feelings that they were going to kind of continue and I I do feel like things are a little bit more reserved this time and maybe more properly reserved because they do have know. a lot I mean, of work ahead of them. That season to me was just we we rode a hot goaltender to amazing statistics. You know, I mean that's that <clears throat> that that was the exact team that you could see going into the playoffs and choking in the first round with a great record. You know, yeah, um, a lot of people couldn't. I, I just feel <laughs> like in general more people were fooled with that. I mean, like I said, there were things you knew they weren't 112 good, but. But you you, you thought they would of... they would win a round. Yes. The the problem yeah. being they got the worst possible matchup for that team. Yeah. Um I I think the difference this year is that this is the first time that they've made the playoffs honestly. Um yeah. s- since yeah. Duchesne's rookie year. And even that was a little bit inflated. And honestly, this year's a little bit inflated too, and we'll talk about this more later on. But they, I think they've really earned where they're at, and they're going to earn the result that they get, which I yeah. am... My, my hope is that Vlad gets his third home playoff game, but I don't think they win it. I think we're going to see Preds in six in this one. I agree with that. I'll say another game seven loss is my prediction. As long yeah, as they I mean... lose it honestly and not by giving up a tying goal late and then losing <laughs> in overtime almost immediately. Yeah. That, can, that can fuck off. Yeah. 
Well, the no, difference I mean, in the overtime is it'll be five on five. Yeah, and long. <laughs> yeah, full 20. As long as it needs to be. Yeah, I don't even remember <sighs> any of the particular rules. I don't even remember the black ace rules. There's just so many playoff things that mm-hmm. I just was never relevant, so I don't remember. <laughs> Man, this this 8.30 local start on Thursday, that game's going to three overtimes. <laughs> I'm kind of glad they don't start on Wednesday. I think I think we need the time. They need the rest. I think we need a little bit of a mental rest. Yes, I need a break. And I think yeah. to just enjoy <laughs> it, like just enjoy the buildup. And then we can enjoy kind of the Wednesday, the first night of the playoffs. You know, how do the other teams do? I just, I think we should just thoroughly enjoy this because, I mean, you have it does feel like the start of something real, but you also like this is also not something that we experience every year. So if if this isn't an every year thing, you know, we've got to enjoy it, embrace it for what it is. And so I hope it does kind of take as long as it needs to take. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I, I think what, you know, after what avalanche fans have been through, uh, since that terrible Game 7 loss against Minnesota, including the 48-point season last year. I, I think this is something that, that, first of all, it's a season you want to look back on and, and, and think about all the great things that have happened. Um, but you you want to leave this season with a good taste in your mouth. So, yeah, <clears throat> you know, just make it enjoyable. Just like we wanted this season to be watchable, we want this series to be enjoyable in, in some way. Yeah, definitely, definitely, and and I still have strong feelings about building in the youth movement and, and and things like that that I'm sure I'll get into all summer long. But, but yeah, absolutely, right now this is just for enjoyment. I completely yeah. agree with that. We deserve it. The players deserve it. The team, the the city. We should and we should just enjoy it because we. It's not something that we've been able to take for granted so it's the happy to be here playoffs yeah (laughs) (laughs) but yeah but we'll sneak a a dagger in you too yeah um so the argument um throughout the spring has been oh you know we've made it through the season we're gonna play the the national predators can they're probably gonna lose so the argument throughout the spring has been is a first round exit worth the uh, hit to your draft positioning. How do we feel about that today? I'm I'm still okay with it. I I was never married to any particular pick in the high teens or around fourteen, fifteen. So I'm not really worried about it. It it does kind of you know in the subsequent rounds you're further back and this and that. I'm not really so worried about it from a draft perspective. I think maybe even being a little bit further back they can maybe take a little bit more of a chance on somebody. So I, especially this year, I don't think it makes a huge difference. Cause I, I do feel like that first round is still pretty strong through about 20. Well, they're all right. Check me if I'm wrong. If they go out in the first round, they will have the highest pick or best pick out of all the playoff teams. Right. Just cause they have the worst record. 
Um, I'll do they? That. Because then the East teams. I haven't checked what the East teams. The Avs yes. have the lowest point totals of anyone in the playoffs, even including the East. Including yeah. the East, we we came into this week with like a three or four point lead on both Columbus and or on both Philly and New Jersey, and then lost three games in a row. Okay, yeah, so I haven't checked it. So. We are yeah, their like wild cards are ninety seven or something. Yeah, they're they're both ninety seven. Ninety five would have been the playoff line in the East because Florida is the first team out at ninety four, but okay. both wild cards did end up at ninety seven, including New Jersey somehow. Okay, well then, then even more. Then yeah, if they, then I agree. If they go out in the first round, they should then be picking sixteen. Right. Okay. I was just asking how that works. Like it's. It's not something besides your record that determines that. It depends what round you go out, though. Yeah, Yeah. obviously. But in the first, it's just it's by points. Whoever gets eliminated in the first, they rack it by points. And then it's division winners. So if, for for example, any of the division winners go out, then they get slotted after all like the first and second round exits. Right, like the Avs did with. Right, exactly. That's how it hurt them, and they ended up picking. 23rd but but yeah definitely by being the lowest wild card they should slot right in so that so so even then then they didn't lose much at all so yeah so basically they'll they'll be picking right after st louis (laughs) i saw that if florida wins today st louis actually picks 14th okay yeah that's right which i I didn't even think that was possible either. I just have not paid attention to what the East was doing the last week because what we were doing was enough mental. Yeah, yeah I haven't looked at their standings in weeks. Yeah, but I don't... enough mental energy. Really, don't want Florida to win today, and I'll get to that in just a sec. Um, as you look at the roster, um, I think it's pretty easy to argue that the playoff experience is worth a lot more than it would have been in past seasons because it's so much younger. You've, you've got Tyson Jost, you've got Sam Girard, you've got JT Comfer, you've got like all these younger pieces, Miko Rantanen, who, it, okay, let's go learn what playoff hockey is. Let's go learn about all the calls you're not going to fucking get. Let's go learn about how that other building is going to feel, how your own building is going to feel. Let, let's go learn about playing at 8.30 local time. Like, <laughs> this is going to be a, a really good experience for all those young guys, and it, I don't think that three playoff spot or three draft spots higher is a good trade for that. Yeah. Yeah, I feel well, they fine. Already got with... a taste of, they already got a taste of eight thirty starts here this past week in California. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Although those were seven thirty local. Those those were seven thirty local. Oh, okay. Like that that game one in Nashville is just built for weird hockey. That's it might affect Nashville more, though. You know, it's going to be later for them. That, that's why. That's why I'm saying when Colorado <laughs> win the series, that, that starts by a sleepy game one out of Nashville. Um, Maybe they'll just all fall asleep at second intermission. I guess my only concern is not about the draft stuff. I'm, I honestly am not really worried. I mean, of course, all things considered, you'd love a better pick, but I'm not really. I don't think it's going to make that much difference who they take. I do f- wonder how it will impact their thoughts and plans moving forward because I do feel like the youth movement and everything they've committed to it. They see it. They can see you can play younger and still win, but making the playoffs or not is just a huge, huge mark 
in at least this franchise. Maybe for others it's not that monumental, but for the Avs it really truly is. And I can't help but feel like it changes their approach a bit somehow, regardless. And I know we'll have all summer to get into that and what it could be and what it could mean and the moves they make. But I do feel like making the playoffs is a validator, which is good, but it also changes kind of expectations and how you move forward. So that's kind of my maybe concern, but... Yeah, at this point, you're just so glad that they accomplished it. They do get the experience. It, well, it's I mean, just, it's a trade-off, but it's 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 necessary. That's an off-season concern. I, I, I think it's good that they've continued to you know look at the ATO that we've seen this spring and and signed a couple of guys that you know that there weren't in their draft portfolio. <clears throat> um. You know, I think that shows that they, you know, they still realize they're going to have to build from the ground up and and not, you know, not try and overload the top with, with older players. And, uh, you know, I, I just have a better feeling with how they're going to, you know, deal with, with trying to recruit more younger players to, to be in their system. And next year will be be huge to see how they approach the system because – the lesson that they need to take from this is that younger, faster works. You can play younger players and still win. And that absolutely should apply to the AHL level. You know, we'll see if they take the move to Colorado as an opportunity to make these changes, to reflect on building and this and that. Just, I hope so. If making the playoffs is a validator for the movement, then I hope that's the result for it. I mean, I think what I, I think what we saw on Friday with the rampage, where all the the AHL vets were basically playing out the string, and you know we we had a bunch of new guys come in and you know play some pretty good hockey. Uh, Tell us about those new guys. Situation. Yeah, the the Avs have signed a, a few ATOs over the past couple of weeks. Um, the Avs or the rampage. The Avs well, do. The Avs have signed some guys to ELCs, and and the Rampage have signed them to ATOs. Like okay. they, they have signed Travis Barron, who was their seventh round pick a few years ago, and they also signed Josh Dickinson to an ELC, and he was playing as a freshman at Clarkson this year. And both of them are on amateur tryouts with the Rampage, and then played on Friday night. <clears throat> and uh, they also uh, the Rampage signed a guy named uh, oh, what's his name? Is it Turner? Turner Otten, yeah, Turner yeah. Ottenbright, who's a defenseman, and he played with Seattle in the WHL. What a fantastic game! It is, and he <laughs> scored on his first AHL shot on his second AHL shift. So, Turner I know who else did that? Miko Rantanen. Yeah. <laughs> so Turner Ottenbright is basically Miko Rantanen. <laughs> he is, and he wears yeah. Miko's number and everything. Oh, that's true too. Yeah, then it was Destiny. <laughs> it was. Well, <laughs> I saw someone ask Dan who had signed on Bright, and he said it was the Avs. So, I mean, technically, Billington's the GM. He would be the one that would sign anybody. But I thought it was interesting that Dan actually even answered that question, and he said he was an Avs signing and not a Blues signing. So, Yeah, even I was though... always going on the assumption that if it was the Blues, they would have said something about it because they do that and the Avs don't. <laughs> I'm so glad that relationship is going to end. So glad. <laughs> oh, and it's just so wonderful the Avs beat him because 
<laughs> the Rampage fans really... Um, they hate the ads. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which there are a lot of reasons that I would agree with them because, but it still was awesome that the abs beat the blues for for all the hundreds of reasons that we had before this was just another one <laughs> and and also uh, adam werner uh or werner um out of sweden who's also an abs draft pick he was signed to an ato but not to an elc yet and he ended up relieving spencer martin after marty had a bit of a rough go of it in the first 28 minutes of Friday's game. He came in and gave up two goals really quick, but after that settled down and looked fine. He's going to, he actually started today's game, which is probably somewhere in the third period right now. Um, but it was just, you know, it was nice to see, you know, four abs ATOs plus, um, uh, plus one, one from the blues to come in and, and give that team a little bit of a lift. And it just sort of showed that, you know, if you get young guys in there, you, you get something more than, than just talent. Yeah. And it was quite a shock to have Dickinson like this. Even yeah. an ELC guy, he wasn't in a tryout. Just boom, right there. The guy, they signed to an ELC. It's, it was a little surprising he left after a freshman year, especially not being a draft pick or this or that. But the Avs must really like him. He must have really... Like the opportunity, I mean, he's obviously signing to play in the AHL. He's he's not going to be like a kind of a camp body that we're watching to see. Could he play make the team? I don't think he's quite there. He he's going to be a signing for the AHL, you know, with hope for development and, and this and that, and be an option down the road. So it's just really interesting that a guy son, left college to sign basically to play in the AHL. Yeah, from a really good team too. I mean, Clarkson was a top ten team most of the season, so it's it's not like he's leaving a a terrible program like UMass. Womp womp. <laughs> and, we'll, and we'll talk more about that on another episode. Yeah, uh, we're we're, yeah. we're running we're in danger of running extremely long here. Yeah, we won't get okay. in the car, but um, but yeah, I, I'm interested to hear an interview from him just to see be, explain, you know what what made you want to sign, you know, what, why, why this organization, the opportunity, I guess, I guess he is also like friends with Baron, like from childhood. So maybe that had something to do with it. I don't know. Maybe. I guess we'll find out. Yes. So, so apart from the avalanche with the burst of predators, are there any other playoff series you guys are looking forward to? I don't even know what they are. Don't even know Golden what they are. Night. <laughs> Well, I, I know it's been here a lot help. of mental drain this week. Just so there are um, two <laughs> scenarios. Whoever's playing the Ducks is one of my favorite teams. Tell you that. Well, that's that's San Jose. <laughs> um, so the, here's the playoff matchups. It's getting a little bit robot-y right now, so I'm just going to talk for a second. Um, the playoff matchups are, of course, Nashville versus Colorado, um, and then we have Winnipeg versus the Minnesota Wild. That's the other half of the Central bracket. Um, out west, we have Vegas taking on the LA Kings, and we have the Anaheim Ducks up against the San Jose Sharks. And uh, like Earl was saying, San Jose, please get that disgusting team to watch out of my playoff bracket. Yeah. Out east, we have a little bit of a situation. Uh, we have Washington versus Columbus, and we have, again, Pittsburgh and Philadelphia. Now, if Boston beat Florida tonight, 
then they will win the Atlantic Division and they will take on the New Jersey Devils, leaving Toronto to take on Tampa Bay. If Florida win tonight, or it, I, I don't know exactly what the point situation is, but if, if, if Boston don't win tonight, then they'll have t- uh, Toronto and Tampa would have New Jersey as the Atlantic Division champions themselves. Any of those series sound good to y'all? Um, personally, I'd like to see Tampa Toronto series. Absolutely. Yeah, you know. <laughs> Go Bruins. Let's see that. Yeah. I actually would watch that one. And yes. really the only one in the West I would watch is uh, Vegas. Because I, I am kind of interested in Vegas. So I want to see them do well and beat the Kings. So I, I probably would watch that one. And then Tampa, Toronto, and... I, I have absolutely no interest in watching San Jose and Anaheim play each other whatsoever. And, you know, Winnipeg's interesting to see they're such a good team and how are they going to do. But I, I'm not going to sit down and watch a wild game. So no. <laughs> I hope they advance and we get to see us versus Winnipeg or Nashville versus Winnipeg. And I'll, yeah. I'll probably watch that series. Um, In the East, you know, the New Jersey story is interesting, but I, I'm not going to watch Boston. I don't know. We'll see. But. Pittsburgh, Philly doesn't really interest me. You know, Columbus is kind of interesting. Maybe I would check that out. Um, yeah, is Columbus, Washington, right? Yes. Yeah, so I kind of like Washington. I'd probably watch a little bit of that. So we'll see. It depends also what's on Wednesday. Because mm-hmm. the night our games are on, probably won't be watching much. Yeah, well, I agree with you that. you got a lot I of think... time to kill before those games start. So you, you say yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> we have other I... things, though. Yeah, Tampa, Toronto, and Washington, Columbus are about the only thing I'm interested in out of that bunch. I, I, the, the other games are too late, and I yeah. hate all the teams so much. I, I'd watch Vegas if it was on at a decent hour, I guess. Same. Okay. I'd watch uh, Vegas and L.A. for sure. I want to yeah. see how that's going to go for that city. And I, I may poke in with, with Pittsburgh and Philly a little bit. You know, the last, like, it, it wasn't that long ago that they were playing games that were literally 10-9 to 9 in, the, in the first round. <laughs> um, but man, I really want to. Probably be a good series. I, I think it'll be a good series. It, it's probably like something Philly. to be more interesting later in the series. It's just—it's an absolute travesty that we might get Tampa and Toronto in the first round. But at least it would guarantee we get to see that series. Yeah, yeah I mean, I'd, I'd I love it. to see that in the second round more than the first. But um, I'd see that you know, whenever it's on, final. it's going to be good. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's going to be an outstanding series if we get to see it. Um. All right, so all that's left now, I guess, is to to sign off and wait for Thursday. You all excited? Very. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm excited for a mental break. And, yeah, I'm, I'm excited just to enjoy it before the stress inevitably starts to kick up. Yep. I think by Wednesday I'll be real ready for the series to start. So it's, it's going to be nice to have a couple days off, but by then you're going to be, come on, come on, I, let's go, playoffs. I think by Thursday at 7 I'm going to be real ready for it to start. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Is that the last series to start? I don't know. Might be. I, I haven't looked at the other team's schedules because I don't care that much. <laughs> I think everyone else is actually in the same time zone. Yeah, it's... No, everyone's in the same time zone. Like, you've got Central, 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 Pacific, 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 and then all the others are East, so... Why do we get screwed? What is this? Central and Mountain, <laughs> I guess. But, yeah, Central and Mountain is the Avalanche series, but still, give me a break. 
So we will uh, we will continue to do weekly shows as long as the Avalanche stay alive, which means there are at least two episodes of Burgundy Radio to go this season. We will see you again next week um, after well, whatever happens in the games one and two in Nashville. You can catch us on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash burgundyradio or on Mixcloud at mixcloud.com slash burgundyradio. We're in your favorite RSS-based podcast catcher. We are in iTunes. We are in the Google Play Music Store. And we are on BurgundyRainbow.com, where you can find a link to our Discord and come in there and yell at us about whatever the heck you feel like, including, what does it gork mean? Someone will try to explain it to you. You won't like the answer. Um, In the meantime, we will enjoy a few days off. We'll take a break. We'll see our families for the last time for the next couple of weeks. And see you all next week. I'm a city girl. Like I've said before, if we're going to move, we've, we've already agreed we're going to move downtown. Yeah. But I mean, of all the places in Colorado, you can, you know, you can live in the desert, you can live in the mountains, <laughs> you, can, you know, it's like, you know, the, you drive in on I-70 from Kansas and that whole drive until you start getting to the, the east edge of Denver sprawl, you're just like, what the fuck? Why would anyone live out here? Oh yeah, no, I agree. Right, if you want to like kind of small town living, go in the mountain. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, it's like, gee, this looks like a great place to die in a tornado. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And she's like, I love thunderstorms. She's like, I'm so excited. Thunderstorm season starting. I'm like, I bet you are. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Good luck there. Oh boy. <laughs>